Hello and welcome to Great Takes. I am Rodney U Street Smith, and with me today is Andy GopherGuy05. Hello, hello. We are coming to you live-ish from the aftermath of the Gophers' most complete performance of the season, which in some sense could be damning with faint praise, but we're not going to do that. We're going to be far more optimistic. We, in fact, had our man on the ground, I believe fairly wet ground. Andy, what did you think of the game today? Yeah, you know, uh, it was it was damp, definitely, for the uh, early tailgate. Luckily, the uh, the rain stopped for the most part late in the second quarter, and except for a little blitz here or there, the, uh, the rest of the second half was dry. So all in all, it wasn't too bad, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was nice to uh, to see us get the ground game going. Uh, Rodney Smith having the best game of his career. Shannon Brooks starting to shake off the rust. Um, you know, we shut down the the in- Illinois run. That's uh, that's definitely something that I think we all had questions about coming into today. So, all in all, yeah, except for a few uh, a few plays that ended up basically costing. The Gophers 14 points, maybe 17 if you're going to put the blame for uh, the last field goal on, on, on the coaching staff. Um, you know, you you got to take it. You got to be happy with where we're at. And uh, sitting at 5-0, and looking at a, a fairly decent chance to go 6-0 and if you can play your game next week. It, uh, it'll be nice to be bowl eligible by mid-October. Absolutely. Let's, of course, not mince words, Illinois is not a good football team. And this is the kind of thing that you'd expect good football teams to beat bad football teams in. One of the things that was nice to see is that a team that I think occasionally we have been curious as to whether or not the University of Minnesota is ever going to win a game by more than one score, uh, today proved that they in fact can beat bad teams quite badly. Uh, Tanner Morgan accounted for five touchdowns, three of those for Minnesota, two of those for Illinois. And to be fair, he probably had some help on the second fumble that his return for uh, almost fat guy touchdown for Illinois. But otherwise, if you do your math there, that means that Minnesota's defense only allowed three points in this game. Andy, for you, what was the most successful thing that you thought that Joe Rossi's defense did? Well, I think they did a really good job of containing Corbin. Um, you know, he he had a f- that one drive, I think actually it might have been the field goal drive, to tell you the truth, where he got loose a few times and, and got a couple of, you know, seven, eight, nine-yard carries in a row. Uh, but other than that, they did a really good job of bottling it up, doing contain, holding them to two, three yards per carry, and just not letting them break loose. Um, you know, I think that's the, the, the biggest positive from this is, is you know, in, in previous years, that's the type of running back that's given the Gophers fits, and uh, they did a good job of, of sticking their gaps and, and sticking control and, and making sure that, you know, if you're going to give them three or four yards on the ground, that's fine, but you're not going to let them break loose for the 40-yard the uh, big gain that this defense sometimes has, has given up. So, um, you know, I'm pretty positive uh, with that, you know. Um, the passing game, they did fine. I, I, it would be nice to get a little bit more still of a, a four-man pass rush, and I think that's definitely going to be more important as we get into some of the more uh, pass-heavy teams a little bit later in the year. But all in all, i got to be uh, pretty happy with the way the defense shut down Illinois' biggest offensive threat and uh, really never let this game be too much in doubt after about the middle of the second quarter. Illinois was playing without their first-string quarterback, Brandon Peters. He injured himself earlier in the game and so had their second-string, potentially third-string quarterback. It's possible their second-string often doesn't travel. It was a weird, strange uh, question that uh, our fearless leader, Tom, mentioned 
in the postgame. However, Minnesota held Illinois to 5 of 17 on third down, which slots in for a little bit less than 30%, which is excellent. And Rodney Smith by himself out uh, out yarded, I guess, because it was on the ground. But against total yards of Illinois, Rodney Smith had more rushing yards than Illinois had total yards through three quarters of this game, which is part of the reason why Rodney Smith cannot be the Necton of the week and is instead my moniker, because obviously he would be it otherwise. I would like to note, though, that a important thing, and Andy mentioned, of course, Shannon Brooks also went over 100 yards for this game. Minnesota in total rushed for 332 yards. At 6.4 yards a carry on 52 rushing attempts, which is awesome. Uh, Tanner Morgan had a down game. Well, it's pretty much impossible not to have a down game after the performance he had last week. But he was only 9 of 17 for 155. And, of course, three touchdowns and one interception. I'm going to say, though, that for my Necton of the Week, it is, in fact, the left side of the offensive line, probably more specifically Blaze Andrews, because one of the things that Minnesota did very well against this game is clearly noted on film that Illinois was bad at covering outside zone runs or bad at anything that was lateral and therefore ran that play particularly effectively. But you can't run an outside zone effectively if your guard isn't able to not only make his block, but also get off that block and get into the second level and block someone else. Minnesota's offensive line, especially the left side of the line, regularly did that all game. For a brief moment, it's unclear as to whether Daniel Falele's injury, he left sometime in the second half, whether or not that's going to be something that keeps him out for next week. But it did mean the line reshuffled. John Michael Smith's came in at a couple of different positions and also played very well. So that's my personal Necton of the Week. Andy, how about you? Yeah, I was going to give it uh, similar. I was going to give it to uh, to JMS, Jim Michael Schmitz. He uh, he stepped in at center. Um, he, he's played a lot the last couple of games as the Gophers have seemed to be rotating their guards between, uh, you know, move shifting Connor Olsen from center to guard and giving Andres and, and Dunlap both a, a series off here or there, uh, moving them all around. Uh, but but Schmitz has been playing really well at center, and I think it's maybe not coincidentally that the Gopher offense has really, in the last two weeks, really kicked into gear as he's been entering the game, and then allowing them to move things around and get their best offensive line set out on the field. Um, so yeah, I was really pleased with that. Um, to, to go along with you said, uh, the good news is it looks like, at least in his post-game press conference, uh, PJ said that it looks like Falalele is just a little banged up and uh, shouldn't really be missing too much time. So hopefully that's the truth and he'll be back to go again next weekend against Nebraska. Um, but yeah, no, this offensive line, both in, in, in pass pro and in uh, run game this week, uh, really seems to be gelling a little bit better together. I mean, they, they by far have had their best two games of the year the last two Um you know, I think they're they're stepping it up, and hopefully they're finding that chemistry here at the at the right time as we're stepping up, and our schedule um, gets a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, with the big game against Nebraska, and then you would hope it should be a, a, an easy game against Rutgers before uh, the meat of the schedule really kicks in. So, hopefully, uh, they can continue to to continue and improve, and then continue to get whatever push they need to get, and uh, we can keep moving forward and keep this train on the right track. Absolutely. I think one of the big things looking forward that has been impressive, as you noted, 
is that the offensive line has gotten better week to week. Now, again, I would say that Illinois is also not one of the hardest teams that Minnesota has played. I remain saying that the hardest game that they've played all season is the game at Fresno State. I don't think either Purdue or Illinois is a more talented team, or at least what we saw on the field, than Fresno State. Purdue, because I don't think a single player on that team is healthy, and Illinois, because Illinois is very bad at football. Nonetheless, this is exactly, as I said at the beginning, what you want to see. Good teams should beat bad teams. We think the Gophers might be a good team. Andy also mentioned an important point here that the Gophers are going to face Nebraska, and if they beat Nebraska, they will be 6-0, and which means they will be bowl eligible. Looking ahead, is there something from this game that you hope that the Gophers clean up when they play Nebraska next week? Well, I think the biggest thing has got to be just trying to do whatever you can do on the edges to keep uh, Tanner Morgan clean. You know, we, we saw the second strip fumble return for a touchdown this season um, that, you know, the guys are just getting around the edge and Tanner's trying to throw and he gets the ball knocked out of his hands before the arm can go forward. Um, you know, I, I think that's something they definitely need to clean up because the level of uh, the level of talent that we're going to see from the Nebraska defense is going to be definitely a step up from the Illinois defense, I think. Um, you know, otherwise just continuing to, you know, clean up on the basic things. I think, you know, Tanner Morgan, after coming off the big game last week, sort of had a really slow start. Um, You know, several of them were probably not so great passes. You might be able to attribute the weather to some of that a little bit. He definitely cleaned it up and had a really good, you know, end of the second quarter into the second half. I think he finished the game 7-for-7. Um, and really, honestly, towards the end of the second quarter on, he started placing the balls where they needed to be for his receivers to get it instead of either overshooting them high or or that horrible interception that ended up being the first seven points of the game that uh, I'm still not exactly sure which of the Gophers' receivers he was trying to throw it to because uh, none of them were there and or open. It was an excellent throw to the Illinois. Yeah, if you were trying to hit that linebacker, Phenomenal. yeah, it was, it was great. But... Um, so there's definitely, as we said, there's always room for, for improvement and things like that. You're never playing a perfect game. Um, but if they can just, you know, clean that up and if the receivers can clean up the drops again, you know, whether, whether the weather was playing a role there, it's possible. But, uh, Tyler Johnson had a couple that he probably should have had his, his, you know, habit of dropping an early ball here or there regardless. Um, so, you know, there are definitely things to improve and, there are definitely things that you know you'd like to see them clean up, but all in all, you know they they beat up on a bad team, which is what they needed to do. You know we all were sort of joking along, saying, "Well, how are they going to make this one close when they shouldn't?" Well, you know, except for a couple of really stupid plays that got Illinois points. Frankly, the Gophers should have won this probably by even you know another touchdown or two. So. Um, they beat up on a bad team with the need to do. The talent will go up next week. Um, although it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we were talking about the injury to Falele, what uh, what type of injury potential Nebraska is going to have as both uh, J.D. Spielman and Adrian Martinez had to leave the game and didn't return with injuries. It looks like from perusing um, Cornhusker Twitter that Scott Frost wasn't very detailed after the game and said he doesn't think they'll be out long, but he also didn't really specify whether long is two days, two games. 
So I think it'll be, uh, just like we were on Sindelar watch going into the Purdue game, I think we're going to be definitely on Martinez watch uh, for the next week to see whether he'll play Saturday at uh, TCF Bank for the Cornhuskers. Absolutely. You should very much get out to TCF Bank if you have the ability to. I think packing the stadium will be helpful. It's also a night game. Night games at TCF Bank Stadium are a lot of fun. Andy, I assume that you will be at the night game next week. I will be there and I will be bundled up because uh, it, it appears if the weather forecast is correct that uh, that we're actually going to get some late fall type weather and uh, it, it might be a bit chilly next Saturday, but you know what? Uh, there's an easy way to warm up and that's to have uh, a couple shots of schnapps or something like that and uh, hopefully go watch a, a heck of a football game. So while we don't condone drinking just for warmth's sake, we probably aren't going to not condone drinking for warmth's sake. And for that matter, while we certainly don't condone sneaking in alcohol into TCF Bank Stadium, we are also not going to not condone people who are uh, deciding to find alternative methods of warming up. But it is very important that you get out. I think it should be an absolutely fantastic game. We will have more coverage of the Nebraska game, of course, on the blog, thedailygopher.com. We'll, of course, also talk about it on the Sky U podcast next Tuesday, which will drop on Wednesday. But until that time, after this lovely win on this particular Saturday, go Gophers, Sky Uma, row the boat.